I know what I want to do today, which is just sit down with you and just marvel at how God's working all over. It's just amazing. You know, after service last week, I, I sprinted out to, uh, not literally, but in a car. I went out to, and uh, Talon and Hannah got married out in the 160 degree heat in Deming. It was so hot, and it's so cool. Here at our uh, youth group, our, our uh, after hours group. This Saturday, uh, Carolyn Murphy's getting married. Pretty amazing. Jeff Anderson and Danica Wright are getting married in August. Thomas Barbo and Ellie Wright just got engaged. And like all these things, we go, wahoo! And you say, I don't know any of those people, you might say. And you know what? God's doing amazing things everywhere. Because that's the kind of God he is. He's doing things in your life. He's doing things in the church life. And it's just the testimony of we have a God who is so incredible. And because of Christ and Jesus, what he does for us. And, and so on this day where we sort of, it's our first day here. and It's also Independence Day. It's, it's so, we have the best country ever. You guys know that, right? I mean, I've spent a lot of time in China and in Africa and in Europe. My brother's a pastor in Austria. Let me just testify that, man, our country, why is it so amazing, the independence that we have? Because it's freedom to do this. It's freedom to stand here today and talk about the wonder of what Jesus has done. It's not meant to be the other way, I don't believe. You know, like, um, like, like we have the freedom now because of the country to build a better country. It's the wonder that we have this little sliver of time, you and I, and the time that we're living, that we get to stand up and talk about Jesus. It's the most important thing you can ever hear is the proclamation of what Jesus did on the cross for you. And I can't believe that we're here this morning, the first week here, and where we are in our text is John 19. And we left Jesus up on the cross last week in the text. Because I wanted to make sure that we did our first week here to just with me, if, if I could metaphorically be sitting in a couch with you and just taking in and looking the wonder of our Savior, the Savior for you and me on the cross. It's the most wonderful thing we'll ever know. If I could talk about it every week, I would. It is the gospel, the good news, what Jesus did, and he did it. I feel like sometimes what happens in our Christian lives is we know this, we know the cross, we've heard the story, we know salvation, and so it's almost like it's like the car I drove this morning to church. I just hop in and turn the keys and go. I don't think lovingly about the panels of the door or how the headlights are shaped or the beauty of the whole thing. Because, and, and yet, it's so much more than a car, what we're talking about with our Savior. It's everything for you and me. And so would you just for a few minutes, we're going to take today from the cross and we're going to talk about the event of our lives again. And, and I want to just show you in the text that John writes, because he writes so clearly and so amazingly of our Savior that it might get into our hearts the wonder of what Jesus Christ is for you and me today. This is what makes us a community. This is what makes us a church. This is what we stand. This is what we long to have independence for is to proclaim freely Jesus. So would you, when we're in John 19, and we're going to start with this event, one event, 
And I want to show it to you again through this paragraph in chapter 19. It starts in verse 23. If you have your Bibles, you can look. We'll put it on the screen too. and It's holding up pretty well. Okay, John 19, 23. Here we go. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus... Okay, so we're starting midway, right? They put him up there. So when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and they divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. His tunic, also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but let us cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. So I just. So why are we starting right in the middle? Because he's up on the cross, and I want to think about this amazing event that's the event, and then Jesus is going to say three things in John's Gospel. Only three. Not seven words from the cross, words from the cross, just three words from the cross. That Jesus says in John's text. We're going to look at them. But they have to be grounded in Jesus' hanging on the cross. And people put him there. Apparently there's a four-member team, right? That put Jesus up and they hammered nails through his wrists and, and, and through his... They divvied up the spoils of victory then. And they're... You know, I, I mean... So there's four parts, and then his tunic. Well, his tunic's kind of his undergarment. They're rolling dice for his underclothes. What does that mean? It means Jesus hanging naked on the cross. That's what it means. So think of it, will you? Go ahead. The humiliation of that? The King of the Jews, the Son of God, bleeding naked, crown of thorns. He's allowing the very ones who drove in the nails to divide up his clothes because he didn't have to do any of it. This is the grace of God. His action for us. Not imposed. He paid. Fulfilling Scripture, it says. What Scripture? Whenever it says this is to fulfill the Scripture, you go back and you look. What is it Jesus is saying as He on the cross knowing what's happening? And, and John's saying, this is what happened. Well, we go back and we look and we look at the text and that's probably Psalm 22. So just hear it. This is our Savior. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My, my, my tongue sticks to my jaws. You, you lay me in the dust of death. Dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing they cast lots. That's Jesus' experience. Man, the wonder of our Savior. He did this for us. I, I, I have trouble taking in, I have trouble wrapping my hands because I'm so steeped in the culture. I'm, I'm used to the stories, you know, I'm, I... I kind of grew up on Disney like everybody. I'm used to the, 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 the hero or the, or the princess or something where a bad, tragic thing happens and then, and, and then they, they, they get through and it ends all happy. 
That's not this. Right? This isn't like someone's going to come in and rescue Jesus. This is the rescue of you, of me. This is the hero, and he's going in humiliation and death. Okay, so, so that's, that's the picture, and I, and I pull you into it or try with my language to pull you into it because, because he's there, Jesus is on the cross, and he's suffering, and he's dying, and he's doing it on purpose, and it's for us. And then, and then, this is why it's so amazing, he says three things. Do you know what three things? Might they be important? That as my Savior and your Savior, as he's dying on the cross for you and me, he says things that highlight what it is that he's accomplished for you. Let's look at three sayings of Jesus. And when I say sayings, I want to say words, but then people say word is a single word. You've got to think, think each one that he says. He's sitting there and just medically, and I know you guys I do too much medical, but, but here's the medical thing. He can't breathe. In order to take a good breath, he's got to push on his feet to get up, to get leverage to take a breath with his diaphragm. And you can't hardly leverage up because he's got nail going through his feet. So everything he says is through excruciating pain. It's not said lightly. It's not like, well, I'm dying. Let me give you a soliloquy. It's if he's going to say something, he, he, he painfully pushed up to get the breath. And then he says, with a little bit of breath, you say something. That's our Savior. This is what he's doing. He's about to die. And he wants so strongly to say these things for you to hear. To be written down by John. Let's look. Here they are. Verse 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So Jesus had four women around him. Sounds like three Marys and this probably Salome. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. Actually, I think I skipped. I did. 26. We skipped it. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, writing this gospel, standing nearby, he said to his mother, so he, woman, your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Okay, 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 come on. So there's four men standing there. They're the soldiers. There's four women standing there. It's like humanity gathered around Jesus. Right? And, 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 and it's not an afterthought what Jesus says. He knows he's going to the cross. He could have sold John privately aside. John, I'm going to the cross. When it comes, make sure you take care of my mom. He didn't do that. He's doing this on the cross for a purpose. You got to think, I mean, I know you guys are like, well, what does it mean? No, no, no. Walk with me just for a second, because you realize that Mary, who's Jesus's mother, had other kids. They weren't evil kids. One of them is James, who's going to be James. He's not saved yet. They didn't accept Jesus when he was on earth. But, but he's got, you know, half brothers because Jesus was born of Mary and the Holy Spirit. Well, there's other half brothers of Jesus and, and Joseph. I mean, Mary and Joseph together, right? And he has kids. But instead he says to John, Behold your mother. 
to Mary, behold your son. What's he doing? I'll tell you what I think he's doing. There's a new relationship that Jesus gives right here. And it's remarkable. It's only based on one thing, what, what Jesus says to her. What Jesus says to him. Do you know in the church, and, and you know the church is a new body, Ephesians 4 says, we're all one family. And so you say, hey, but, and, and so relationships start to be built just around one thing. What's the one thing? The cross. The cross. It's not a relationship of everything. I'm not talking about community in general. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about Jesus starts to build bonds between specific people that are his, that are going to be forever. That's us together. But it's not everybody with everybody. That's okay, right? Sometimes we get this weird thing on either side. We think on the one side, we're like, well, I'm free in Jesus. I'll just be myself. No, God starts to do something like with marriage where God does something amazing. God puts people on your heart and in your in your life that now you have a connection with. And what's the connection? The gospel. The Lord does something and you get connected to somebody and it's fantastic. Because we're all family. And yet he doesn't say, oh, church, take care of my mom. He doesn't say, all of you be connected to everyone else with the same amount of depth. No, it's Jesus makes relationships and gives life in new ways. And it's happening as he's on the cross. And he says, particularly of his mom. His mom doesn't need to be cared for. He, she's got brothers. And, and he, these two people that he puts together, by the way, I could imagine if, if you're strategic, or if you're a strategic mind, like some people do, they're like, wait a second, John's one of the 11. Wouldn't it be more strategic if we went to India? And he's not like, instead his life is spent caring for Jesus' elderly mother. No. No, that's not true. Why? Because Jesus told him to do something. What do you do? You do it. Like everything we are is about what Jesus has done for us. And so if Jesus says, hey, this is the thing, I want you to do this, and that, that goes in your heart and the Holy Spirit moves in you, there's not like some great task and some little task. There's, oh, this task, Jesus is working, and he's working all over. And he may be working to pull you towards one particular person that you're going to spend your life on and bless them and love them and be with them. And there's someone else over here that's doing it that way. And there's three people over there doing that. And there's this ministry over here happening, but you're not part of it. You're part of this one over here and it's all amazing this is how christianity works right jesus does what he wants he creates his church it's not us trying to be jesus and trying to hold everything together or the church trying to be some monolith of everybody loves everybody exactly the same we love everybody but the lord does special connections that's okay in fact that's here in the text jesus on the cross doing that with John and his mom. I think it's remarkable. I think it's fantastic. And I think, again, I sit on a couch with you, looking and, and with tears in my eyes at the wonder of what Jesus is doing, and I hear from Jesus, look, he's at work making these connections. I don't have to be the person that's making sure everything happens. I need to listen to my Savior. I need to get my eyes on the cross. Amazing things will happen. They will. Okay, that's the first saying. Here comes the second. It's short. 
This is Jesus in agony. And he says just three things. Here's the second. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. It's one word. I thirst. So a jar of sour wine stood there, full of it. And so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch, and they held it to his mouth. Why are people evil? Why do we do that? It's to fulfill Scripture. So again, we look back and we say, okay, I'm going to look at the Scripture. What is Jesus referring to? Why is He doing this? Because He's saying something. This is the experience of our Savior. So come with me back to Psalm 69. And He says this. It's it's a prayer. But it's now Christ saying, this is Me. You know My reproach, My shame, and My dishonor. My foes are all known to You. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I'm in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. So this sour wine, you know, it's not myrrh mixed with wine for Jesus to not feel pain. That's not this event. Sometimes people are like, this is sour wine. It's like vinegar. Have you ever taken a bottle of vinegar and said, let's take a swig? I invite you to take a thing of white wine vinegar and try. Actually, don't try. That might be dangerous. It's terrible. And so Jesus is expressing the shame and the guilt and the no comfort from any around him, even a a small little piece of comfort. Nobody gave comfort to God. He's just choosing to do what? To save us. To save us. That's what he's doing, right? Fulfilling the scripture over and over. And the scriptures are pointing to what? This action of Jesus to save humanity and humanity is to to save you. To save me. It's all true. So in some sense, I invited you like a car to look at. Look at the car. Look at, look at the wonder of this, that Jesus is bearing the shame and the reproach and no comfort and no help and no anything as he's suffering on the cross. He's filled with the knowledge of the Word because He is the Word. He knows all things have been accomplished. <laughs> he knows it's done. You know, grace is his to give because he paid it all for you. Your freedom is his action for you. Freely given by him. The incredible obedience is his obedience to fulfill all the scripture. I'm so dumb. I don't even know what scripture needs to be fulfilled. Jesus knew it all. And he did it all perfectly. He's the one. There's nothing you and I can even do, but it's done. And John, with these few words, this single I thirst, brings us to bear this perfect completion of the whole prophetic image. And it lays it squarely at Jesus' feet, his decision to fulfill what is said. He did it all. And then he got one more saying, one more word. This is the third one. Here it is. When Jesus had received the sour wine, 
He received it. Here's the gift of people to Jesus. Drink some vinegar. He said, again, the said sounds so like, oh yeah, he's just talking. (gasps) And he speaks a word. This is again, one word. It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. The one word, right? Completed. Accomplished. We saw this in chapter 17, verse 4. The same as as verse 28. And, And then look, he handed over his spirit. He says no one took it. When he gave it up, he's giving it up. This culminating act of filial obedience, the commentators say. One commentator had he... Hell in hell laid low, made sin he sin or threw, bowed to the grave he destroyed it so, and death by dying slew. It is finished. It's a single word. It's amazing. He did it. Would you say the word? I've taught it to you once before. Tetelestai. Would you say it? Go ahead. Tetelestai. Try it. No, you've got to do better. Tetelestai. Tetelestai. Try it. Yeah, the last word of Jesus before he died. He did it. It's finished. It's accomplished. It's done. To tell us die. One more time. It's finished, you guys. It's finished. Jesus' last word, and here he is. He's barely able to breathe. His lungs are full of blood and fluid, and he can't. And he gets a gasp out to say, Done! What's finished? Everything he came for. Victory over Satan and death and sin. God the maker, the highest king, not hopping down off the cross, but dying for you. It is finished. Tetelestai. No more needed. You know what I expect at that point? I expect, I want to hop over to Matthew's gospel. Because Matthew's gospel, the, the heavens split and the graves opened and the veil of the temple was torn and, and it's, like, it's like the earth shuddered. All of a sudden, there's dead people walking around. And it's not a zombie movie. It's amazing, right? I mean, I expect nuclear bomb type explosions. Uh, that, that's what I expect. But John takes out the drama. There's none of that. There's only focusing on, on the simple word Jesus says. Accomplished. Like a gong that goes over the whole world. Boom. It's his choice, you see. You see the pain, but you see in the scriptures, Jesus himself quotes what he's thinking. You can see in the choice, the obedience, it's all his. He knew, he was, and he is God. But he also takes it out that he wants you to see what it means. He did it for you. One event, that's the cross. Three sayings, new relationships that he makes. His amazing suffering with no help, even a tiny bit from anyone else, and then his accomplishment forever, it is finished. That's it. That's the conclusion. That's the final gong. 
It's not the end of how John does it, you know. John has this final scene to present. We're going to have to do it next week. We're getting too late. But, but it's amazing. This idea that comes in then is our Savior has finished it all. And if he's finished it all, that's where the truth is. And I invite you today to know this is where our church is standing, where we've stood forever, where we start, where we begin, where we're going to end, is that Jesus Christ, the Alpha and Omega, has done it all. And therefore, we take it in on this Independence Day today. We go, man, I'm so excited for what America is and what we stand for. We stand for freedom. Yeah, we do all those things in order that we might stand this morning and you might be able to speak and whoever you say, you know what? Jesus Christ has paid it all for me. It is so not the moral story that you want to build a better place. It's not the ability of us to build and, and grow and make beautiful and, and overcome. It's, it's not that. We're not America, not a Christian nation. We are enjoying these freedoms so that you and I can be Christian, can speak out boldly. Do you know what the truth is? You'll never be good enough. You can't help God. You can't be the person that, that you would long even to be, to be yourself the hero. But you know what? I know the hero. Do you know what his name is? It's Jesus. And I got a cool Greek word to talk to you about, to tell us time. It's awesome. Because it's finished and he did it now and forever. Oh, what a Savior. And so today, and I know this is. Uh, hot and new and new place and going around I just I can't say how excited we are to be a congregation to be a church that gathers around the cross and looks to Jesus and says we are just so amazed at what he has done for us and all that we enjoy and all the blessings that we have are because he's paid for us don't leave that rejoice in it let's pray